Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Scary Story Podcast brings original, short, scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long-lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Whether this is your first time, or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week. How is your October going so far? Have you decorated your house? Carved your pumpkin? Figured out your costume? Let us know on any of our social media platforms your big plans for this spooky season. We are so drawn to haunted places because they offer a unique blend of fear and fascination. Eerie locations allow us to confront our primal fears while also satisfying our intrigue about the mysteries of the area. It also makes them irresistible destinations for adrenaline seekers. But while some of us use these opportunities for entertainment, there are many who are scarred for life by what they encounter in a haunted place. That is, if they're lucky enough to survive it. First, a deadly sight, followed by a monster beneath the surface. Then, reflection or horrific reality. Finally, in our featured story, a headless horseman's revenge. So, want to hear something scary? A house of horrors. Historical cities often have stories and secrets to share, and if you're from the UK, you've likely heard the terrifying tale of 50 Berkeley Square, London, a house where you might just be frightened to death. Mr. 
Mr. Puzzlewit smiled proudly as his two daughters explored the rooms of their new house, number 50 Berkeley Square, Mayfair, London. Veridity, in particular, was keen to make sure the property was neat and tidy since her fiancé, Captain Kentfield, was coming to visit. She and her younger sister, Lydia, rushed from room to room until Mrs. Puzzlewit called them to the parlor for some tea. There's an attic room which will be perfect for when the captain comes to stay, said Mr. Puzzlewit as they enjoyed their refreshments. Mrs. Puzzlewit nodded in agreement. I'll have Abigail clean it and make up the bed. We'll want it to be perfect. Lydia, who was halfway munching on a biscuit, called out, She'll need to make sure to air it out well. There was a most odd smell when I was up there, almost like a zoo. Mr. and Mrs. Puzzlewit looked at her curiously, and then they all headed up to the stairs together. Sure enough, there was a strange and foul odor in the air, but Mrs. Puzzlewit assured poor Veridity that the staff would give the room an intense clean and all would be well before her beloved captain arrived. The following afternoon, when Lydia arrived home from school, she headed straight to the parlor where she knew Veridity would be waiting. Guess what, she said breathlessly. Some of the girls at school say this house is haunted. Veridity was aghast. She demanded to know what had been said, and so Lydia filled her in with the teenage glee about the alleged sightings of white mist at the window and a previous occupant who'd been driven to madness. Veridity made Lydia promise not to speak of it again, but she didn't want any of the maids to be spooked before they had the chance to clean the attic for the captain. On cue, Mrs. Puzzlewit bustled into the room to inform Veridity that the youngest maid, Alice, was headed up to the attic now. The young woman listened as their mother reported the staff had seemed most reluctant to perform such a simple task, and she was hoping they weren't going to be an issue. Lydia looked over at her sister and was about to comment when they heard a piercing scream from upstairs. The trio raced up the attic where they found Alice wide-eyed and pinned against a wall, seemingly frozen in place. Mrs. Puzzlewit reached out a hand towards the girl, but she started screaming again. Don't let it touch me! Don't let it touch me! They managed to get her into the room, and the doctor was called. He took one look at the girl in her quasi-catatonic state and immediately instructed that she be taken to the hospital where the nurses could keep an eye on her. Of course, no matter how exciting and stressful it all was, it was still the matter of the captain visiting. The Puzzlewits and their staff busied themselves with preparing the house. Another bedroom was chosen for his visit, since the attic no longer held any appeal. He arrived the following morning with presents for all and tales of the sea to share with his soon-to-be father-in-law. The family were enjoying one of his stories when they received the shocking news that the maid had passed away that morning. She was 15 and in good health, so the doctors were stunned, as were the family. Lydia recounted what had happened to the captain, adding in the part about the alleged hauntings. He immediately declared he would spend the night in the attic and fight off any ghosts with his rifle. Reluctantly, this was agreed upon, along with a caveat. He was to take both a bell and rifle with him. If he were in any trouble at all, he would ring the bell twice. 
Aridity went to bed that evening filled with worry. She wasn't entirely sure she believed the house was haunted, but something had scared poor Alice so much it had ultimately stopped her heart from beating. She knew her fiancé was a brave man, but she couldn't fall asleep. Soon enough, the bell rang and she raced out of the bed only to find the captain standing on the landing, holding a candle and smiling. I just wanted to see if you'd come, he teased. Remember... It's two rings of the bell if I am truly in need of assistance. Veridity scolded him and returned to bed. A short while later, she was awoken again by the bell, quickly followed by two gunshots. This woke the whole family and they all raced up to the attic to find the captain shaking like a leaf and pointing at a wall. Mr. Puzzlewit took the man to the parlor where they partook of a strong brandy. Captain Kentfield kept muttering that it was coming for him. He claimed he saw something large rush at him, and so he fired the gun twice, but the bullets sailed straight through the thing. Indeed, when he returned to the attic with Mr. Puzzlewit the following morning in the daylight, there were two bullets lodged in the wall. Captain Kentfield was lucky. Others before and after him had not been so much. Like Alice. 50 Berkeley Square is now famous for its mysterious hauntings, and there have been several more tales of visitors having been literally frightened to death. Would you have stayed in a house where someone had allegedly died from fright? Do you have any famous haunted houses in the town where you live? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You must be adventurous to go out and discover new places and things, but sometimes there are deadly creatures who are looking to discover you. Like in this story inspired by Melina. Aaron's life consisted of fishing, traveling, and constant moving. His father was a world-renowned fisherman, wanted by every company out there, which meant that the two had to constantly travel all throughout America. Changing schools often made it hard to make friends. Aaron's father had rented an old wooden cabin next to a lake in the outskirts of Washington. Aaron was in his new room, once again unpacking his belongings from boxes. The sun had just set, and Aaron could see its dark orange reflection in the greenish waters of the lake through his bedroom window. Aaron liked his room. The walls and floor consisted of light orange wooden logs which framed a large window with a direct view of the lake and the wooden pier. 
Maybe it wouldn't be so bad after all. The sun had now set completely, leaving the world illuminated by the soft glow of the moon. It was about midnight when he finished unpacking and got comfortable under his bedsheets until a rotten smell filled his senses. It seemed to be coming from somewhere outside. A green light illuminated the room. Aaron turned to switch off his nightlight only to see that it was already off. He looked through the window and saw the bright green light all over the lake, but he couldn't figure out where it was coming from. He got out of bed. His father must be asleep. The house was deathly silent. The pungent smell got stronger as he got closer to the front door. As he peered out the window, he saw movement in the water. He froze when a pair of yellow dots looked straight at him from underneath the murky surface. The water rose like something was emerging out of the lake. He darted back to his room, slamming the door behind him. He could feel his heart pounding. This isn't real, he thought. He sat back down on his bed, then made the mistake of looking out the window. The bright yellow eyes looked back at him once again. This time, they were attached to the head of a hideous figure. It was lanky and gray, with black holes where its mouth and nose were supposed to be. It was hunched, and its elongated claws pointed to the ground. Aaron screamed and ran straight for his father's room, terrified. But when he opened the door, no one was there. The room was empty. His father's belongings were gone. The boat, he thought. He's at the boat. But he couldn't go outside while that thing was there, so he locked the doors and barricaded the windows. Finally, he collapsed on the floor, realizing he was all alone. Suddenly, the house started shaking. An earthquake, he thought. All the lights turned off. He tried to turn his lamp back on, but to no avail. He knew he needed to get help, but then he heard and felt heavy footsteps entering the home. The creature's presence brought everything to a halt, except for the creaking of the floorboards under its terrifying weight. Aaron froze in terror, his body pinned on the wall, furthest from the door. The creaking continued. He was stuck. Exiting the door was out of the question, and the window was stuck fast. But as the thing was right outside his door, he swiftly hid in the closet next to his bed. Crouched in the darkness, footsteps filled the room, along with that pungent smell. The creature walked back and forth, scratching the walls. It didn't seem to have found Aaron's hiding place. Then the footsteps sharply stopped, and the closet door was yanked open. The creature was bone-thin, covered in slimy gray skin. Claws emerged from its arms and legs alike, and eyes like yellow headlights piercing through Aaron's soul. A horrific, shrill voice echoed from the thing's body. This isn't real anymore. No matter how hard you try, you will never escape. Aaron had no time to consider that statement before a claw caught him by the throat and lifted him into the air. What do you want from me? He cried, his voice trembling from the slow loss of air. The creature whispered, A new toy for my collection. Aaron failed to understand what was happening, as if imagination and reality had somehow mixed. And yet, as he held the creature's blinding gaze, he found himself closing his eyes and slowly stopping his attempts to flee. The excruciating pain of his suffocation was getting worse and worse until everything went dark. Over the course of the next few days, 
Police tried to figure out whose boat was parked in the middle of the lake. Aaron's relatives filed a missing persons report when their calls went unanswered after a month. The cabin was searched once, but since it appeared abandoned, it bore no clues or evidence to the family's whereabouts whatsoever. It's a pity Aaron's father never noticed the dozens of missing persons posters glued on a pillar near the cabin. Perhaps then, he'd have some second thoughts about moving in, or even prevent their tragic demise. Have you ever felt an eerie presence when visiting a lake? Do you find the idea of staying in a remote cabin fun and maybe romantic? Or would you be scared of the isolation? Sometimes what's in our head is way worse than reality, but sometimes reality is a killer. Like in this story inspired by Caitlin. I've always hated mirrors, the thought that I might see something in them that wasn't there before. And for some reason, the new house we moved into seemed to have mirrors everywhere. My room, the bathroom, the hallways, everywhere. I woke up around 2 a.m. to use the bathroom. I tumbled down my flight of stairs and onto the second floor. Just before I left, I heard what sounded like a whisper. I turned to see the small window behind me. It was open, but my dad always closed up the house before he went to bed. I shut it, and when I turned around, I heard what sounded like someone tapping on the glass. I could feel my heart begin to race. I slowly raised my head to look into the mirror in front of me which reflected the window. I covered my mouth so I wouldn't scream. In the mirror, I saw the face of a man pressed against the glass. I flung myself around as quickly as possible, but when I looked, there was nothing there. I charged out of the bathroom and up the stairs. I calmed myself down, chugging some water and turning on my music. It was probably my sleep deprivation making me hallucinate. A few hours later, I had to pee again. Walking down the stairs, a feeling of dread came over me. There was someone or something in this house. With shaking limbs, I walked to the bathroom and flicked on the light, half expecting to see someone inside. But of course, there was nobody there. I avoided eye contact with the mirror, but as I turned to leave, I caught a glimpse of my reflection in the second mirror, next to the door. It faced the sink and shower. I didn't want to look, but felt compelled. I saw a hand sliding over top of the shower curtain. Again, I turned quickly, expecting it to not be there, like before. But to my dismay, I could see the slender fingers making their way over the curtain rod. I couldn't tell if it was real, so I just stood there in horror, watching as another hand appeared. It gripped onto the rod slowly, its bony knuckles turning pale. I slowly began backing up toward the door when both hands let go and disappeared behind the curtain. I stood, breathless, tears in my eyes. After a beat, I ran. I heard the curtain move. I could hear it breathing behind me as I made it to the top step. Without looking back, I flung my door closed and the creature stuck its hand into the room, reaching for me. I tried to push the door, but it would not move. I could hear grunting noises. With one final push, I managed to close the door, crushing the thing's hand in the frame. I quickly locked it and backed away. 
I watched in terror as the hand began to slip out from the door, landing on the floor in my bedroom. It then stood on its fingers like a spider and started scurrying toward me. I screamed as I looked for anything. I swiped a pair of scissors off my desk and stabbed it into the hand. But the hand kept moving. It was grabbing for me, the hand holding the scissors. At that moment, I could only think of one thing to do. I hastily opened my window and screamed, throwing the hand out. I watched as it fell three stories onto my front yard. I closed the window and flopped onto my bed. I couldn't believe what had just happened. But before I could relax, I felt a tinge of pain on my neck. It felt like something was rubbing it. My whole body was telling me not to, but I walked to my vanity and looked at myself in the mirror. There, one slender hand tightened its grip around my neck, green ooze pouring from where the other should have been. The creature stood behind me, grinning wildly as it began to struggle. I looked away from the mirror, but it didn't stop. I grabbed my neck, but could not touch the creature. I cried out for help, but my voice barely escaped my own neck. I watched in the mirror as my lifeless body dangled in the creature's grip. I could see myself, but I couldn't feel my body. I couldn't move my hands or my feet or even blink. The creature's smile contorted as it opened its mouth. Its long, dagger-like teeth gleamed in the light of my room. I was forced to watch as it ate my corpse. I could hear the grotesque sound of it breaking my bones within its jaws. All it left was my head, staring straight into the mirror. If only I hadn't looked in that mirror. If only I hadn't looked. Have you ever thought you saw something in the mirror that wasn't there, but you could feel it anyway? What kind of mirror superstitions do you believe in? Tell us your tales by sending us an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of the headless horseman, inspired by the legend of Sleepy Hollow, and now animated over on YouTube.com/snarled. Some stories are just perfect for the spooky season. And some places are seemingly synonymous with Halloween. Places like Salem and, of course, Sleepy Hollow. But if you hear the clip-clopping of hooves on a dark night, you better watch your head. The old Dutch church in Sleepy Hollow was ready for Halloween. Its creepy silhouette was illuminated by the flickering glow of jack-o'-lanterns. My classmates and I stood outside listening to the historian, Mr. Hans Muller. The Hellas Horseman was once a real man, as real as any of us, standing directly where we are now. The historian continued. During the Revolutionary War, a Haitian soldier had been on a horseback when he came under attack. While attempting to escape, a cannonball had blasted his head clean off his body. His horse rode around the village with the lifeless, headless corpse of the soldier still in his saddle for hours before finally collapsing. When word of his death reached Germany, the family had traveled all the way to America to lay their father to rest. And now, Mr. Muller said, when the air turns crisp and the nights grow dark, the ghost of the headless horseman emerges from its grave and then screams. And out of nowhere, my face was covered in something slimy. 
I wiped off the pumpkin pulp from my cheek. It was a cruel prank by Ethan, my jerk of a classmate. He stuck his hand inside a decaying pumpkin and hurled the insides right at me. I suppose I should have been thankful because at least the mush was hiding my tears. The laughter erupted, but Mr. Mueller's voice cut through the noise. Silence, he shouted. His eyes narrowed menacingly, and the laughter died down instantly. Ethan turned pale as Mr. Mueller berated the class for not taking our tour seriously, warning us about the consequences of ignoring the history's lessons. While my classmates boarded the bus, their hurried whispers carried the weight of Mr. Mueller's unkind demeanor. It was in the solitude of the restroom that I took a moment to compose myself, wiping away the traces of frustration etched on my face. The tour of the Sleepy Hollow Church had ignited a seed of curiosity in Ethan's mind. That night, just days before Halloween, he and some classmates planned to sneak into the graveyard and try to catch a glimpse of the legendary Headless Horseman. But it's no surprise that I wasn't invited to join them, and I couldn't help but feel relieved. As darkness fell and the fog thickened, Haunting sounds filled the air as they ventured into the cemetery just outside the old church. Suddenly, they heard a clopping noise. It couldn't be real, but as they hushed one another, it became clear. A horse was approaching. As the animal sped nearer, they caught sight of a monstrous figure atop it. Illuminated by the moonlight, in the mist... A jack-o'-lantern's head with glowing eyes was unmistakable. The headless horseman charged towards them with a hunting knife in hand. Run! Ethan screamed. The group scattered in all directions, but the headless horseman set his sights on Ethan. By the time the other teens alerted their parents, who in turn called the police, it was too late. All that remained of Ethan in the graveyard was his lifeless body with a slit throat. Olivia, one of the girls who had been there, insisted it was a ghost of Sleepy Hollow seeking a new head. But the adults were more skeptical. The police launched a murder investigation. Based on the accounts of the terrified teens, they believe they had a suspect. The police banged loudly on the door of Mr. Mueller's house. He was under suspicion due to the threats he made on tour with Ethan's class and his obsession with the Headless Horseman legend. It was apparent to everyone that he was slightly unhinged and could be the killer. The police ransacked the empty house searching for evidence, but found nothing. Not the murder weapon or even Mr. Mueller. Officers later found Mr. Mueller downtown at the library teaching an adult night course. His alibi was airtight, with no choice but to let him go. He expressed remorse for the teenager's death, but his eyes betrayed him, as he declared that the Haitian soldier's ghost was responsible and the teen had failed to heed his warnings. The town was left on edge with the unsettling reality that the ghost of the headless horseman might still haunt their community. When Mr. Mueller returned home, he was devastated to find his house torn apart. As he started to clean up, I emerged from the basement, the bloody hunting knife in my trembling hands. Uncle, hands? I called out gently. He rushed to me. I am so proud of you, he whispered, wrapping me in a big hug. He was happy to pass along our family tradition, avenging the death of our ancestors. 
and the Haitian soldier who fell in the Revolutionary War. I just wish I had felt as good as my Uncle Hans did about it. I was only able to slit his throat, I said sadly. But don't worry, next time I'll finish the job. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>